Good morning and welcome. We are Windsor Baptist Church and it's really great to have you here with us today. My name's Ruth and I'll be leading our worship this morning as we sing and pray and share communion together. And later on, Dave, our pastor, um, will be teaching us from God's word. But we'll lead you through all of it, so please relax. And we hope that you feel a sense of belonging as we spend time together here this morning. Let's take a moment as we begin to pray and talk to God. Father God, we gather as your church this morning to bring you our praise. You've been so good to us. And no matter what our circumstances have been this week, we recognize that you're the faithful God who reigns over all, that you're with us in everything. Lord, humble us now as we spend time in your presence. Holy Spirit, will you guide our thoughts and our hearts and accept the worship that, that we bring. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together as we sing to God. Psalm 100 says, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. The splendor of the King Both in i 
Good morning. I'd just like to run through the announcements for the week ahead. You'd be welcome to join us again this evening. We meet at 7 o'clock and David will be continuing the Talking the Talk series. And Clay have their launch as uh, the final part of the one big weekend of youth activities. And that's from anyone from year 9 through to year 14. So you'd all be welcome to come along to that if that's you. Tuesday 10.30, Pulse are having a focus on Sudan with Dorothea. Wednesday 8 o'clock, we have a church members meeting and members should have received their agendas by email. So please do try to come along to that. Thursday at 10.15, it's parent and toddler group. And then 7pm, Fusion Friday night is competitive. I think that probably goes without saying, because from what I can see, it's pretty competitive every Friday night, but uh, perhaps this Friday night even especially so. Next Sunday, we meet again at 10.30 and 7, and David will be speaking at both services, and Clay again will be meeting in the cabin. The Walk Wisely weekend is 2nd to the 4th of October. Mothers and House for all young people, year 8 to, eight to 14, and friends about making wise choices. The first one, of course, being get your booking in before 11.30 tonight, and there's the address there. So uh, booking does close tonight, so get your booking in if you want to go. Irish Baptist Commencement Service is Tuesday the 22nd of September at 7.30 in Drummore Baptist, and the speaker will be Dr. John Benton. International Student Events, um, Windsor are contributing to two of these. Um, we need a few desserts for this Wednesday evening, about 40. So um, I suspect we may need a, quite a number of people to make that, unless a couple of people want to make 10 or 20 each. So uh, really, if you could make a dessert for Wednesday evening, that would be great. Um, we only need five for the 24th, so that seems easy. Um, also, a couple of volunteers to serve and meet students are also needed for both nights. Um, do speak to Sandra and Gordon today for logistics, and Gordon might have a few recipes for you as well if you're struggling on what you might want to make. The latest Bible reading notes are ready for subscribers to pick up in the porch at the back. The Flower Rota restarts next month, and uh, the two Ruths, Webb and McCormick, would like to invite everyone interested and involved with floral decor in Windsor to a hands-on Fun with Flowers evening in the church hall on Thursday, September the 24th at 7.30. SU Northern Ireland produce a monthly email guide called Prayer Focus with some of the activity of staff and volunteers. If you'd like to hear, uh, if you'd like to get that email and get some update on that and how you can provide support through prayer, uh, please email or speak to Drew Steele. All right, Alice is going to come. Uh, good morning. I, I know you've had several announcements over the summer about grief encounters, but I just want to put in a special announcement for today because we're due to start tomorrow week. Um, grief, uh, grief encounters are for those who have experienced loss and in fact our strap line is learning to live with loss and we seek to address those issues from, through giving information and giving support. As I said Monday evening the 21st of September is our first five consecutive Mondays. Lynn Brown and myself are the leaders uh, Gordon Dara also has a significant role in that and Gordon's one of our pastors. Um, it's taking place in a very caring and gentle environment um, and um, we will have a professional approach, there will be a biblical approach, but I really must stress um, it's not counselling, it's not preaching and in fact not even lecturing um, and uh, as I said it's um, in, a, in a very gentle way, in a very supportive way. 
For anybody who has um, suffered loss through bereavement or even the bereavement stage, um, say for example someone who has a loved one who's got dementia, um, it's, it will be comfortable for Christians, non-Christians, non-churchgoers um, alike. And if you know someone, a friend, a neighbour, a work colleague, relative, um, and you think it would help for you to accompany them, uh, that actually is very helpful, and I would encourage that. So, as I said, if you do want to bring somebody along, you also will find it a very comfortable and hopefully helpful environment. If you have any questions, will you ask either um, Lynn or myself or Gordon? Uh, there is, um, There are uh, various... Uh, leaflets in, in the pews. Uh, there's an email there. If you want to send any questions by email, that'll come automatically through to me, so uh, please do that. If you could let me know if you're thinking about it or thinking of inviting somebody along, it's just to give us an idea uh, how many to cater for in the broadest sense of the word, so uh, please let me know. Thank you. Um, in a moment, we're going to give our offerings to God, um, and that's something that we do here every week as part of our worship. So if you're a visitor, please feel free to just pass the bag along to the next person. Um, but as we do that, we're going to watch a short film on the screen. Um, I don't know about you, but as I've watched the news recently and tried to get my head around what's going on with the refugee crisis, I felt pretty overwhelmed and I guess just struggled with what, as a Christian, I should be doing in response to this. Um, and I just, I find this video helpful, so in a minute or two after that we're going to pray about it, but hopefully this will um, just guide our thoughts. So we'll collect the offering and watch this movie. How many refugees in the Bible can you name? How about Adam, Eve, Cain, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Lot, Hagar, Ishmael, Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, Esau, Joseph, in fact, all the tribes of Israel, Moses, Naomi, Ruth, David, Elijah, Esther, Mordecai, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And of course, in the New Testament, Mary, Joseph, Philip, Peter, Aquila, and Priscilla, and indeed the whole of the early church. Whether displaced by natural disaster, exploitation, people trafficking, war, famine or persecution, the Bible is full of refugees. The central character in scripture himself, Jesus, fled as a refugee to Egypt as a young child. But I've missed someone out. According to the book of Ephesians, you and I were once refugees. We were strangers to God's promises, wandering exiles, excluded from citizenships with God's people. That is until Jesus welcomed us in. It was a costly welcome, but through his death we were granted not just asylum, but a permanent home in the family of God. Christians know what it means to be welcomed as refugees, and therefore it's not surprising that my Facebook feed is full of Christians asking what we can do in light of the plight of the world's 60 million displaced people. As Christians who are called to give refuge to the refugees, we won't sit idly by while 71 people die together by the side of an Austrian motorway in the back of a refrigerated lorry. Or while 2,600 people perish this year alone trying to cross the Mediterranean. And we're gonna stand in solidarity with Ireland Curdie's father 
who whilst trying to rescue his family from the threat of death from ISIS in Syria, lost them needlessly on a short crossing to Greece. So what are we going to do? I know many of you have petitioned the government, tweeted at opportune moments and given blankets, but a crisis of this scale needs a response that will show the world that Christians care above and beyond, that we're not just a knee-jerk reaction, but we're in it for the long term. I'd like to suggest five practical things we can do that will actually make a difference. Number one, we can all pray. We believe in a God who can change governments and change circumstances. Let's call his power to intervene into this circumstance. Number two, some of us have rental properties that we can make available to the local council for the housing of refugees. Click on the link that takes you to the work of Citizens UK and the excellent work they're already doing around the country. Number three, could your family think about becoming foster carers to help the increased number of unaccompanied minors, children fleeing from crisis who don't have family with them that need a loving and supporting ongoing family. Click on the link to see how Home for Good can help you to do that. Number four, we need to make plans already as churches for when the refugees begin to arrive, we need to find a way to help them integrate so they don't feel isolated or abandoned, but they get the wraparound support that they're gonna need. Number five, please give. Give to the work of Open Doors. They've already got an emergency appeal. They've got a long track record of working uh, with persecuted Christians and they've got people on the ground in Syria. Maybe with Open Doors help, less people will have to leave Syria and make this terrible, perilous journey to the West. Whatever you do, do something. We can't sit idly by while this tragedy unfolds around us. But together, we really can make a difference a long-term difference. May God bless you in what you do. Let's pray. Father, it's so hard to pray about things that seem so much bigger than us. And when we look around and see the brokenness in our world, we just don't know what to do with it. And along with David and the Psalms, Father, we cry out, how long, O oh Lord, before you stop this? How long must we cry for help? And yet we know that you're the God of justice, that you lift up the broken, that you care about those who are persecuted and in danger, that you hate evil. And so God, we ask you to have mercy on the millions of refugees around our world. Please, Father, provide safety and homes and medical care and food to the people who need it most. God, we pray for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, we ask that for our little city of Belfast too. We pray for the peace and prosperity of this place where we live and work. We pray for the people on the streets around our church who are broken or lonely. Father, will you break our hearts more? Will you push us out of our comfort zones and into action? Show us what you'd have us do, God. Help us to give more, to pray more, and to love more. And Father, thank you that um, we don't have to do it alone. And we're so thankful for each other here in our church family. And Lord, we just lift up each other to you now and think of those who are sick. Those who are struggling. Grieving. People who are fearful. 
Lord, help us to love and support each other well. God, we thank you that we've heard from Rachel Roney that she's arrived safely in Australia. We praise you for that and for the amazing journey that she's on. And God, we just ask that you will remind her that you're all that she needs and you're with her every step of the way. And we thank you for Jude Simpson, who's there as well. God, just be so close to her. I pray you'll teach her lots about you while she's studying them. And Father, we thank you that you're using Sarah McKeown and Ibiza with 24-7 prayer. Lord, I pray that you continue to use her there to bring your hope and to bring light in a really dark place. God, we give all these things to you now and more. Hear our cry, O King of Heaven. Hear our cry.
we can stand in your presence. We're so unworthy, Lord, and as we think about coming to your table now to share communion, we're so aware of our sin. God, we just can't believe that because of what you've done for us, we can stand here together and worship you, and we're so thankful. And Lord, we confess to you the things that we've maybe thought or said or done, even this morning, this week, that have dishonored you. Cleanse our hearts, Lord. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us so that we might live, that we might stand. And thank you for this reminder that we're about to share, these symbols that help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. In Jesus' name, amen. The servers would like to come forward. we share every week here at Windsor um, and it is just a way to remind us what Jesus has done and to celebrate that so it's for all who believe and are following Jesus so if that's you then please join with us if you're not sure then don't worry at all just pass it along to the next person
before your word now, and I pray that you open our hearts. I pray that you speak through Dave, God. Let his words be your words. And please challenge us and change us and make us more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Morning, everyone. Thank you so much, Ruth, and Drew, and Elliot, and Anna, and Steve, and also James, and Paul, and James at the back. During uh, September, as we begin this new church year, we're taking and using the, the four Sunday mornings to revisit and reintroduce our vision. And hopefully, if you were here last week, you picked up one of these reprinted cards. And if you weren't here last week or you forgot to take one of these, there should be more of them in the pews. But our vision at Windsor Baptist, and this has been the case for 16 years now, our vision is to be a church without walls. And last week, I, I attempted to kind of explain and unpack this in some detail. And so here's just a quick recap and summary. To start with, we highlighted the importance of church. And we said that we're not only Christian people, but we're church people. We're not only committed to Christ, but we here are committed to the body of Christ. We believe that an unchurched Christian is something of an oxymoron. And then we discussed, well, what does this without walls aspect mean? And I suggested it implies four things. This is not an exhaustive list, but it says that it's not about the building, that it's about people. It's a community. It's a gathering. We are Windsor Baptist Church. Secondly, it means that we seek to reduce the barriers that prevent people from coming to church, kind of initial barriers, stylistic barriers, cultural barriers, whatever. We seek to reduce those. Thirdly, it means that we have porous borders for a very definite center. We want to be inclusive without compromise. And therefore, we aim to be a non-judgmental grace community where doubts and questions and fears can be expressed, where faith can be explored. But alongside ill-defined edges, we seek to maintain a definite center. And what does that definite center comprise of? Well, right at the heart is Jesus. Right at the core, the source of all we do is Jesus. And also at that center are our core convictions as rooted in God's story as explained in Scripture. And finally, a church without walls stresses the importance of church gathered and church scattered. We gather like this, and that's good, and that's biblical, and it's essential. But whenever we leave this building, whenever we walk out those doors, we become church scattered. We scatter to be salt, to be light, to be a blessing to reflect kingdom values, to do good. We gather, we scatter. A church without walls retains that balance. Begs the question, how? How do we become a church like this? And that's where these four symbols come in, that to be a church without walls, we believe Windsor Baptist must intentionally become a place of belonging, multiplying, serving, and going. And last Sunday, we considered belonging, and we hope and we pray that this place, this community will genuinely reflect some of those potent New Testament images of what the church should be. A family where people are loved, where all those one another's 
spill out. Comfort one another. Pray for one another. Forgive one another. All of that. We want Windsor Baptist to be a family where there's a real sense of belonging. Plus, we want it to be a place where you are given opportunities to serve. We need each other. We're a body. This morning, we're going to look at multiplying, and then next Sunday, we'll consider serving. And we long for Windsor Baptist to be and to become an intentional place of multiplying. Whenever you read the story of the church in Acts and you trace its development, you discover growth. It seems that it started with something like 120 believers in chapter 1. By two-thirds of the way through chapter 2, it has increased to 3,120. And by the end of the chapter, there's even further growth. There's even further expansion to quote Acts 2.47. Each day, every single day, every 24-hour period, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And it doesn't stop there. As you keep reading, you come across more references to church growth. Despite the opposition, numbers were added, extra disciples constantly being grafted in. And so here are two more quotes from Acts 6. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. And it didn't stop after Acts. The church continued to grow. And if nothing else, we're here this morning as living proof that 2,000 years later, the church still exists, still grows, is still being added to right around the globe. Point is, growth, multiplication is desirable. It's vital. It's what we long for. It's what we pray for. It's what we witness for. And here at a local level, it means that we must remain absolutely committed to this core part of our vision, that this will be an intentional place of multiplying. Now, when it comes to growth at a, a local level, there are three types. I'm going to concentrate on one of those, but here are the other two. There is transfer growth. There's also biological growth. It's a fact of church life that people transfer, that people move from one church to another. It's just a fact. It happens for all sorts of reasons. Some of those reasons are sad. They're complicated, they're painful, they're theological, they're necessary, they're regrettable, etc. And so people have moved on from here. People have made their way to Windsor, but whether it's people coming or going, there needs to be, amongst other things, humility and understanding, honesty and acceptance. Transfer growth is a reality. And then there's biological growth. I don't need to say anything other than we're doing quite well on that front. But the third type of growth, and the key one that I kind of want to consider this morning, is conversion growth. Those the Lord is adding to this fellowship who are being saved, to quote Acts 2. We want Windsor to be a place where people regularly experience new life in Christ. But what do we mean by that? Well, Christian conversion is about people coming to that place of repentance and faith, of realizing, yeah, listen, I need to turn from sin and its effect on my life and on the lives of those around me. I need to turn to God. 
I need to place my trust, my hope in the Savior of the world, and I need to choose to follow him. Simple, it's about turning, it's about trusting, it's about following, that's it. And so what we're talking about here is a passionate desire to see people who are not yet Christians becoming Christians, being adopted into God's family. This is about seeing lives transformed. This is about seeing lives turned around 180, moving from death to life, darkness to light, lost to found, slavery to freedom, hell to heaven. A church without walls is a church that sees beyond its borders, that retains an outward focus and never loses sight of and a heart for those who have yet to become an integral part of the church. A church without walls, of course it must care for, it must nurture those who do belong to the family, but it can never settle there. It must constantly and consistently reach out to those who have not yet experienced new life in Christ and been converted. In fact, some would say it's the very reason we now exist. Many years ago, Archbishop William Temple put it like this, the church is the only cooperative society in the world which exists for the benefits of his non-members. And there's a certain degree of exaggeration in that comment, but we have been commissioned to go and make disciples. We have been empowered by the Spirit of God to be Christ's witnesses here, there, beyond, to the ends of the earth. That's our calling. That's what we exist for now. We're called out of the world to belong to and to worship God, and then we're sent straight back into the world to witness and serve. The church, and that is us individually and corporately, are called to share the gospel, this good news of Jesus with those who do not currently know him or follow him. We must evangelize if this is gonna be an intentional place of multiplying. We must go fishing, to borrow another biblical idea that's core to our calling. We must cast this gospel net, if you like, into our community and allow it to gather up all kinds of fish and then allow God to do the sorting out. Now evangelism is a word that creates a reaction. It's a word that carries some negative connotation. It recalls, it sparks memories of bad experiences, awkward encounters, embarrassing conversations, irrelevant expressions. But despite its poor press or bad practice, we as a church are called, can't get away from this, we are called to communicate the good news of Jesus Christ through verbal proclamation and lifestyle witness. We simply must evangelize. But as we think about this, let me, let me give you a definition. Many of you have heard this before, have shared this before. I hope it's helpful. It comes from the Anglican Lambeth Conference a number of years ago. I think it's brilliant, but more importantly, I believe it's solidly biblical, and it says this. This is what evangelism is. It's to make known by word and deed the love of the crucified and risen Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit so that people will repent, believe, and receive Christ as their Savior and obediently serve him as their Lord in the fellowship of his church. That's our calling. That's our desire. That's what we long for. That's what we pray for, conversion, growth. And so, we intentionally evangelize. At times, probably most of the time, that evangelism happens on a kind of personal level as we share Jesus with our friends and with our neighbors and with our colleagues. But following on from that, 
as part of that. We also do it in community. We also do it formally. We also run things like Christianity Explored, discovering Jesus through Asian eyes. But as we dig a bit deeper, let me say a couple of things about conversion. The first is obvious, or at least I hope it is, we, the church, you and I, convert no one. It is God who changes lives. It is God who rescues, saves, and adopts people into his family. It is God who transforms hearts and minds. It is God who grows his church. It is God who causes the abundant catch of fish. But having said that, we've got to realize and appreciate and grasp, and this is incredible, that in the eternal purposes of God, he has chosen. Don't really get that. He has chosen his church, his people, you and I, to communicate the gospel. There is no plan B. It's up to us. It's over to us. We're commanded to go and be those witnesses. Because if we don't, who will? And therefore, the challenge we face as Windsor Baptist as the community of God's people in this place at this time is to be faithful to our commission and calling. We are to make known by word and deed the good news of Jesus Christ. We are to express it verbally. We are to express it visually. And then we are to leave the outcome, the results, the converting to God. And that, at one level, should cause, certainly causes me to pause. And can I reflect and to consider, what's my personal response to this biblical mandate? What's my personal response? Am I, are we, as a church, evangelizing? But it goes deeper, because to have a heart for evangelism, you've got to have a heart for people. You've got to have a heart for those who are not yet Christians. We have got to have what used to be described as a passion for souls. I read or reread this recently. It's a sobering comment. Came across it a number of years ago due to the shallowness of our spirituality and the nervousness that we feel in the face of the secularized and pluralistic world, this passion for souls seems to have largely evaporated. It's one of the most disturbing characteristics of the contemporary evangelical church. That really challenges me. And I honestly believe that a church without walls is a church with a heart for people who don't know Jesus. A church with a passion for souls. A church that loves people as they are, but longs for them to discover new life in Jesus. The question is, do we love people enough? I mean, that, that's what it really boils down to. Do we love people enough to share the gospel with them? Bruce Milne, Christian theologian, writer, pastor, said this, our failures in evangelism are so often failures in love. 
You see, for me, evangelism is not something we do. It's not something we organize to do. It's ultimately, ultimately an expression of who we are because one of the most loving things you can do for another human being is share Jesus. It's one of the most loving things you can do for another human being. I sense that one of the very real challenges we face and I know I've been honest about this before and personal about this before, and I am again this morning, is do we fully appreciate or see people's need of the gospel? You see, I look around, and I often think, do you know something? Most people seem perfectly content and happy as they are. They really do. And I forget and lose sight of people's true spiritual condition and eternal well-being. And I often look at people on a purely material and physical level, and I miss so much. I miss what really matters. And the Bible is crystal clear, and it's explicit. And these are some of our core convictions that I referred to earlier, that unless, and I'm just quoting Scripture, that unless someone is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless they believe in Jesus and turn in repentance and faith, they will perish and not have everlasting life. And I don't say that lightly. But in an increasingly secular, pluralistic context and culture, I lose sight of these realities. And therefore, I lose my heart for evangelism and the need to share the gospel with my family, with my neighbors, with my colleagues, with my teammates, with the stranger, with my enemies. As a church, I pray that will never be our story. Maybe my story at times, but I hope and pray it's not this church's story. And therefore, I am so glad that we unashamedly express as part of our vision that we aim to be an intentional place of multiplying. A church without walls is a church that grows by conversion. It's a church where people see beyond its borders. It's a church made up of people who have a heart for others, who love, genuinely love, to the point, to the extent, to the level where they share the most important thing in the world that they could share, and that is Jesus in word and in deed. And as we finish, I want us to watch a film. It's a brilliant short film that was created by Stephen Pierce here and involved in a number of others. This is, this is a personal film for Windsor. And it picks up on the imagery and the ideas of John 21 and Matthew 13 and fishing and the kingdom of God being like a net. And it kind of picks up on this idea that we need to be an intentional place of multiplying if we are going to be a church without walls. Thanks, James.
it happened this way. The disciples were together. I'm going fishing, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got on the boat, but that night they caught nothing. They caught nothing. They didn't catch anything. They didn't catch anything. They didn't catch anything. It happened. It happened this way. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't know it was Jesus. He said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. So he said, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and they weren't able to haul it in because of the amount of fish. This is how it happened. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, we all said, and we did, but caught nothing all night. At dawn, we saw a man standing on the shore, but couldn't see who he was. He called, any fish, boys? No, we replied. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get plenty of them. So we did, and couldn't draw in the net because of the weight of the fish. There were so many. There were so many. There were so many. We caught so many fish. This is God's this heart. This is God's heart. This is the, this heart, is the heart of, of God. God. This, this is the heart of God. We all have hopes, desires, agendas. I saw a very clear face of Jesus. Jesus. Calm, Calm strong. strong and in control, just as he stood on the shore. And heard the words. Trust me, I see what you do not yet see. We are not the fish, we are the nets. We are the nets and the ones obediently casting the nets out. And the ones hauling the nets in. Nets are not effective if they remain in the boat. We need to be immersed in community and comfortable in it for a long time in order to bring men and women into the kingdom. And into the church as part of that. This is a church without walls. Our church without walls. This is wall-breaking. Life-changing. Whites of the eyes closeness. Together. 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 A net is made of many strands. Many strands. The followers of Jesus work together, demonstrating love, support, support truth, truth power. power and faith. Pockets of believing community. In a sea of unbelieving community. Let's go fishing. Let's respond in worship. Will you stand with us?
to follow everything I believe in. Now I